sit comfortably. Good morning, everyone. Um, those of you been coming to, on Tuesday nights recently, um, since um, Diana and I came back from a trip to Italy, as I've been talking about Dante's Divine Comedy, and I'm still smitten with it. <laughs> so you're going to get a bit more of the Divine Comedy today. But uh, so that's what's on the menu, and. Speaking of menus, um, there, as a way into this, there was a famous play that used to be on years ago, which was called Out to Lunch. And, and the theme of the play is it's two women who go out to lunch to a restaurant. And, and the waiter comes along and um, he asks them, what, what do you want? And they start talking about, you know, assuming he means the specials, you know, and the different courses and so on. But it seems becomes very clear that that's not what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, what, what is it that you really want? Right? Like, what do you really want in your life? What do you really want? Uh -huh. And then the, the play starts from there. Now, most people, when they, when they think of this, think that the in the play, that the waiter is actually the devil, you know, and that he's tempting people, you know, to, to, um, to fulfil some kind of self-indulgence self or whatever. But actually in the play, the waiter is God. Uh -huh. And he's asking them, what do you really want? What do you really want? Uh -huh. Well, if you put it in a Buddhist context, it's kind of like the Bodhisattva of compassion dressed up in a waiter's uniform coming along and asking you the same kind of questions. And where that, where that links into the Divine Comedy, um, as you may know from your own reading of it, your own understanding of it, or what I've been talking about recently, it's really um, a, um, it's poetry. Um, it's not theology really, it's poetry, but Christian, based on Christian theology. And it's about Dante's journey through purgatory, through, through uh, the inferno, through hell, and then through purgatory on towards paradise. And many people, of course, read this in its literal sense. You know, there's actually a place called hell that you go to in a purgatory and a heaven and so on. Um, but it was never intended in that way. And many people would argue that Christianity is not really intended in that way either. That they, that you know, um, inferno and purgatory and paradise are really just um, allegorical terms for the way that we live our life here on Earth. And when you look at it in that way, Dante's Dante's journey through the inferno and then the purgatory and paradise is a story about going from alienation right, through to awareness through to deep connectedness mm -hmm. um, which is the journey for all of us whether it's a Christian one or a Buddhist one or whatever and uh, it's also about the integration um, not the separation of um, eros 
philia and agape. And eros is usually thought of as kind of sexual love, but it's a bit more than that. It's a kind of creative passion, mm -hmm. which could be sexual. And then there's philia, which is a kind of brotherly, sisterly, family kind of love. And then there's agape, which is thought of as a kind of religious or spiritual love. It's kind of, but it's in, in everyday life. It's a love of everything. It's all-inclusive and all-pervasive. And the Dharma path or the spiritual path is a path where we integrate those. It starts often with Eros, but then it's about guiding it into Philia and then into Agape so that they become integrated. But in many ways, in our culture at least, or in many cultures, these things get separated off from one another. Churches for Agape and bedrooms for Eros. Mm -hmm. That type of distinction. It's never sort of a an integrated whole. And in Dante's Divine Comedy, um, there, there, are three, there are three ways in which love can get diverted from its true direction. And um, this is why the, the, the waiter, the God dressed up as the waiter, you know, is challenging these two women, you know, what do you really want? It's kind of like a koan. Do you know, do you know uh, some of you know of Hogen, the Japanese Zen teacher who lives up in Byron Bay? He uses that as a koan. What is it you really want? What is it you really want? Ask her it over and over again. What do you really want? Mm -hmm. And um, Dante says there are, there are three kinds of love and according to how we follow them we end up going into a kind of a hell realm in the psychological sense. And one of them is what is referred to as perverted love where we, um, we love bad things happening to other people. And we get a kind of um, joy or, or pleasure out of it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a kind of love which he refers, which is refer, referred to as defective love, which is really just kind of a slothful kind of indifference, you know, like just indifference to things like no passion at all. And then there is another kind of love which is excessive love, which is like really strong passion but it's not, it's not going in the right direction. It's, kind of just, it's very strong and powerful, but it's not going in the right direction. And it could, that could take many forms when you think of it. It could be like a man or a woman has, is very, very passionate, you know, has lots of different affairs, but uses, you know, leaves a wake of you know, harm and destruction in their past. You know. Or someone who's extremely passionate about a particular social ideal, you know, or political ideal, and they're so infused with it, you know, that they've got great love for what they actually do, um, but it's somehow it's not guided by philia or by agape and it goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when, when we're caught in that kind of love, um, Dante has some exquisite place in hell for us, you know, that we go to. And um, the, the, he's got a great imagination. Um, he, and when he goes through hell, it's not as though when he goes through hell, and we think of it like the metaphorical hell, um, he's not sort of 
going through hell going, you know, but this is a sadistic kind of pleasure these people got what they deserved, is going through there really disturbed by their suffering, you know, and so he's identifying with the suffering that he goes through in his own life. And um, but they had but examples of it is that people who were fortune tellers who used trickery, you know, to make their living, in hell they had their heads on backwards. Because so, they can't see forward, they, they use going, looking forward, you know, to, to trick people, now they have their heads on backwards. And another very poignant one, which I mentioned the other night, is that people who um, indulged in anger and were very rageful end up in mud, in this particular place in hell, and they're always biting and scratching themselves and each other, so they're sort of condemned to eternal rage. But what's interesting about it is that in the mud there are, there are bubbles coming up, coming up all the time from the bottom. You know? and, and they're all the people below the surface who weren't passionate about anything. Uh -huh. This kind of blah or indifferent, you know, and didn't, didn't, weren't in touch with any kind of feelings. So they're all the metaphorical places of hell. And um, the, the idea of hell in Dante's Inferno, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't fit into our contemporary ideas of the way things are because some people are kind of there forever, you know, it doesn't seem fair. Um, but it, allegorically it's just kind of a lesson that, you know, you can, you, can, you can be a lost soul, you can keep going down that pathway um, and being driven by emotions which are just self-destructive, you know, and you keep on going down that pathway. But as Dante is taken through hell, he's then brought into purgatory. And purgatory is a place where people um, recognise the mistakes that they're making in their, their life. And it's similar to what we are reciting in our um, practice principle, practice principle. So it starts off caught in the self-centered dream. That's where you start. You recognize that you're caught in some kind of mental delusion or, or emotional delusion. That's the beginning. You recognize you're there. And there's some awareness starts to dawn about that. And then the practice becomes about working through that and transforming through that into a deeper sense of connectedness. <coughs> so while the main type of love which is well the love gone wrong in hell is eros the main love that's there in purgatory is philia that's where kind of people like a, a Christian community or even a Dharma community like people realise they're not perfect human beings and so they take up some kind of practice to work towards enlightenment you know, or a deeper sense of connectedness or compassion or wisdom. And there's a sense of, um, we're kind of all imperfect human beings and we're in this together and we're supporting each other through this process. Yeah. Like an AA meeting. That's a good analogy. <laughs> Caught by the demon drink and then they kind of realise and then they're a brotherhood going through the steps or a sisterhood going through the steps to move towards a more fulfilling life. <coughs> <coughs> 
and all forms of um, self-help, like the self-help industry in a sense is kind of the purgatory realm, you know, where people um, realise that they're, they're in difficulty or suffering in some way in their life and they're trying to move through some process to understand it and get beyond it. What's also very, not just contemporary, but also very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, everlasting um, or consistent back there in the 12th, 13th century, is that Dante is reminding us that we can't pull ourselves out of this mess by our own bootstraps. You know, so it's not about techniques and things of improving ourselves. It's that the only thing which is going to create a really deep and long sustaining transformation is love. So in the Christian context it's opening yourself up to the love of God. You know. In a Dharma context it might be opening yourself up to not God's love, but the love of other people, you know, and your own self-compassion and being able to trust in that. Which is not as simple and as easy as a lot of psychological books would claim it to be. It's just not a matter of saying to people have self-compassion or whatever and you, you go off and do it because people often, um, many people I see don't, don't even trust their own, their own love of themselves, let alone someone else's. You know, so there's a, it's a slow process to get that moving and when it does it is transformative in the same sense and I'm, I'm not saying this facetiously although it could be meant that way but marriage is also purgatory right <laughs> you go you, you, you go you don't go into a marriage you know as a perfectly loving human being you know it, it's a it's a place where you you learn to love you know um, with someone who's learning to love as well Mm-hmm. Got your L plates on, <laughs> and um, and but there's a commitment to, you know, through all the struggles and conflicts and so on that occurred, and that you're working towards some kind of deeper intimacy as the relationship goes on. So that's a kind of purgatory too, um, but that's very different to the way people often see marriage these days or long-term commitments and so um, there's a more naive or even maybe a more entitled sense you know that it should be so great from the very beginning mm-hmm. which it often is when you when there's that you know immediate falling in love experience but then there's the work mm-hmm. that goes with it that matures it into a into a deeper relationship and then if you get to purgatory, well, you're guaranteed of getting to paradise. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, there's no time limit how long it might take you to get there, but you, guarantee, you can relax, you're going to get there sometime mm-hmm. if you do the work. Um, but in paradise, in Dante's paradise, um, like in hell, there's various rings, you know, and, and God is at the centre, and there are rings you know, of saints who are closer to God and saints who aren't so close to God and so on. And and just like you see on signs on some Christian churches to you know, outside, you know, which always touches me even though I'm not Christian, you know, those signs just God is love. Right? 
So in, in the Christian ideal and in Dante's paradise, God is love. Simple as that. A kind of a radiating centre. Mm-hmm. And, and in paradise, and we think of this not as a place you go to, but what you experience when you've leaned over into hell and you realise the way you're going, you go through purgatory and then you start to experience paradise, is that in paradise it's just full of ordinary people. Um, but they're, and they're people with flaws, but they're not defined by their flaws. And within that realm, um, like in a Buddhist sense, it's like all the, all the, the grasping towards some kind of fulfilment has ended. Mm-hmm. It's exhausted itself. And so people, with that sort of grasping coming to an end, um, people have a sense of fulfilment and um, and connectedness and there's no like we were talking about the other day with comparing mind the comparing mind is dropped away because in the in in the paradise there's the saints who are really close to God and the ones from the outside but everyone's happy with their place because there's no far and near right there's no better or worse everyone's just happy where they are in one team it actually reminds me of a koan um, that you might come across if you continue with Cohen study, which is um, um, how come how come the body sattva of wisdom manjusri can't get close to the Buddha, but a young girl can. It's touching on a similar point in a Cohen style. Um, in Buddhism, to make a connection with this, uh, while in Christianity they have this sort of hierarchy of hell, purgatory and paradise, the metaphor of course we have in Buddhism is of a wheel and we're caught on the wheel and we go through the six worlds, the hell realm, you know, an animal realm, hungry ghost realm, fighting demon realm, god realm, human realm. Mm-hmm. And in that system, you know, instead of going to heaven, you get off the wheel. You stop spinning round on the wheel. So it's a different metaphor. Um, but it's all it's all based on the same um, sense that when you're going around on the wheel, um, you're caught in caught in some kind of self-centered position, and we move off the wheel into unconditional loved, you know, and non-comparing, <coughs> and into a more deeper connectedness with life. But the realm, in those six realms, which would be the closest to purgatory, is the human realm. And in the Buddhist framework, that's the realm in which you've got the best chance of actually getting off the wheel. If you're just, if you're just stuck in the animal realm, or the hell realm, do you know, or the narcissistic god realm, you know, you, you just stay going round on the wheel. You actually get grounded in the human realm. Um, that's a place where there's some sense of insight and clarity and intelligence and that where you can start to see and develop some insight and then you learn to get off the wheel into this sense of unconditionality. So whether it's Buddhism or whether it's Christianity or other religious kind of um, 
the main religions there are in the world. When, when you cut through all the theology of it, it really just comes down to how we cultivate love. There is, there's, there's nothing really more than that, really. Um, but it's important that we're not sort of um, turning love into something which is glorified or more than what it is. Um, let me sh share with you um, a dream I had a few years ago. And, and in, the, in the dream, it was after Joko had died, like a few months. And in, in the dream, Joko visited me in the dream. And um, I don't really care whether it's my own unconscious working or whether she actually, there was a visitation, but it's more fun to think that she visited me. So mm -hmm. we'll go with that one. So she visited me in the dream and she was a bit sort of, a little bit sort of gruff, you know, as, as Joko could be at times. And, um, and she kind of said to me, look, Jeff, I haven't got much time. I've got a lot of people I've got to see before I go to another realm. Um, and I'm just doing a bit of teaching before I go. Just, look, just simply there's one thing I want to say to you. <laughs> love and peace are the same thing, right? Like peace is love, love is peace, right? You got it? And, and, and it's exactly what I needed to hear. It's like, yeah, I actually, yeah, now I, there was something confused about that. You know, I was making it out to be something other than peace. Right? Mm. But they, they are the same thing. Mm -hmm. The same thing. You look at um, the four noble abodes, love, joy, compassion, equanimity. Same, same thing, equanimity, peace, love. Mm -hmm. They're all, all the same thing. And as you see, I've got to go now. <laughs> but all these things become um, uh, integration. Integration is the, is the key word in all of this. The, the, the integration of the eros and the philia and the agape.